I'm here with Tom. We're going to spend most of this podcast talking about the Mason Greenwood situation, I think, and maybe a little preview of Spurs on Saturday. Tom, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, it's been a... I mean, United have been a mess for the past, whatever, 10 years. 18 but, years. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much 18 years. Um, but this week has felt, yeah, it's gone to a new level, hasn't it? Oh, it really has. I mean, I mean, cut to the chase. My my instinct is to say, I mean, I know this is driven a lot by the the owners, of course, the indecisiveness and the cravenness. But I think Arnold should go. He's the CEO. He's responsible. This has absolutely been, to paraphrase, a shit show in a dumpster fire. Just awful, awful leadership from United. So I, I guess we should go back and like, how did this start? And it seems to have started. With Adam Crafton uncovering Adam Crafton, by the way, just the best in the biz. United fan, yeah. he's just awesome. Um, it, yeah. I mean, I think I've said on the show before that he's one of, if not the best, sports journalists out there. But like this week, especially, and throughout this whole Mason Greenwood situation, he's just been incredible, and he's he's changed the whole discourse of this, yeah, um, this whole situation almost yes. single handedly with with his reporting this week. So it's phenomenal. I, I mean, I think generally speaking, I'm I feel I feel not very optimistic for the future of journalism, especially uh, investigative journalism, of of which this is uh, at least partly that. But um, Adam and listeners may remember I talked to Karim Zidane a little while ago, and and Matt Slater and Tarek Panja. There are a few people make me feel a bit more optimistic about the future of this and digging into the bones of corporate malfeasance, which this is most certainly it. So let's go back. I mean, what did what did Adam do? So on, I think it was on Wednesday, he uncovered that United had decided to bring Mason Greenwood back. They'd decided in early August and they'd told the leadership team at United and prepared materials to do that. Obviously, some people are uncomfortable with that at Manchester United. There are lots of good people there. I should say that from the start. Mm-hmm. I know there are. But unfortunately, they're not supported by good leadership. Um, so Adam uncovered they were going to do that and that they um, eventually delayed it. And they seem delayed the announcement of Greenwood returning. And it seems like they delayed that announcement because they wanted to brief, not consult, the women's team uh, or, or the, the three players that are currently with England uh, in the World Cup final. Uh, and so that seems to be where it started. United asked for a delay in responding. Uh, that delay was not because they were formulating an answer. It was because they were trying to control the narrative by putting out their own statement, which was one of the most pathetic, pathetic, double-speak nonsense corporate statements I've ever read. And that not just in football, just ever. Uh, just unbelievably bad. If I was advising them and I spent a very long time in management consultancy <laughs> advising CEOs, I'd resign them. I, I would advise them to all quit because they are fucking pathetic human beings, absolute fucking cum stains. Of, yeah, <laughs> just awful, awful people. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, just, I just I can't believe how bad uh, they've handled this. Yeah, yeah, sorry, complete... I'll stop ranting. No, now. Just gonna... no, no, no. Like, it's completely justified. Like, I mean, obviously, there's there's the executive branch, which is has just been an absolute car crash. And like you say, there are great people clearly working at United. From Adam Crafton's reporting, it sounds like there are significant numbers who are willing to resign. I think he said even there was potential potentially they were looking into strike action. Some of them. Right. And some of the employees. But then it also goes to Ten Hag, who, by all all accounts from the Athletics reporting, he is fully on board with, with bringing Mason Greenwood back into the fold. And also it makes me, makes me wonder what the players are thinking. And I wonder how much of the pressure that is on the executive branch comes from, from that side. I mean, yeah. Mason Greenwood's clearly going to have friends in in the dressing room. We we've we've not heard. This is pure pe- speculation on my on my part, but I do wonder like what the players do think about this because they are going to be very powerful people at the club, and Mason Greenwood is going to have friends in that dressing room. And Mason Greenwood, you would imagine, is probably in the ears of 
the players saying, try and try your best to try and get me back in this quad because this is my last chance kind of thing. And you, and you do yeah. wonder like what, where, what kind of pressure is coming from there. And especially if, and, and, and it's only been said so far that Ten Hag is the, is the person from a footballing perspective, well, from a player and staff perspective that is the, is pushing for Mason Greenwood to be back. But I wonder if Greenwood, Ten Hag's doing that on, on players behalf. But yeah, like I say, it's pure yeah. speculation, but it, it's just, it's not just the executive branch which is is so problematic here, and and like I said on the last show, for Ten Hag to be so adamant clearly about him coming back, it's it's really horrible. Like the whole situation is really horrible. It's it's horrible to be associated with United right now. the 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 best thing about th- this week is that the pressure that is now on United to reverse their decision to to U turn on what they on what they were going to do seems enormous now like if they go and follow through with bringing greenwood back after after what's come out this week then it feels like an insane move but i I mean i wouldn't put it past them but yeah i think that like the best thing about like this week is that that the the reaction has just been yeah i I guess heartwarming like in in, in, it's it's been it's it's fueled so much anger inside of me and, and around so many of our fans and so many of the Twitterati and and fans of other clubs, but yeah, it is also it is also heartwarming to see such a reaction because I kind of I said on the show last week I thought it was I thought the reaction the the opinion was maybe fifty fifty, but seeing it this week, then maybe it isn't. Maybe maybe actually yeah. like good is winning out here. Well, I did say on Twitter that I thought that the chances of uh, United backtracking had increased substantially as a result of of uh, Wednesday, and I I think that the club thought they could control the narrative by going first. They made it much worse. Uh, and um, they made it they made it much worse because they looked craven and they looked out of touch with what, what the United fan base might be. They think, and it may well be that they are too online, I think they think that the rampant misogyny that rears its very ugly head on Twitter and other spaces, social spaces, is the dominant and prevailing narrative around this. And and it turns out that it's not actually those who are most in support of the club and not just the team, and I think those are two different things sometimes, um, are very strongly against uh, Greenwood coming back. And that has been shown in polling uh, from The Athletic. I know that uh, Rainbow Devils have also done some polling and other, and Manchester United supporters trust as well. And, and I think there's a fairly consistent view there and and to come back to your point on Ten Hag, yeah. Now, in a sense, uh, and I like let's get before everyone gets angry. Let me get to the end of the sentence. In a sense, I'm sympathetic to him because he's a football coach and he's probably thinking, "Hey, how can I, how can I get the best possible team out there and best po- possible chance of success?" And I always get the sense with him that he's intensely twenty four seven football, football, football. So that's that's my only caveat now of course he's got form personal form in being very supportive of mark overmars who was if we you know want to recall sending dick pics to people at ajax hey eric just a bit of advice here distance yourself from wrong wrong like that hmm. um and my my defense of him is mild and uh, mostly i wish of course he turned around and said absolutely no way I don't want this person back in my club I heard that audio I've read the transcript I saw the pictures that's not the kind of that's not the kind of team and atmosphere I want to build also I mean again on the theme of splitting executive and and football it seems that Murtagh from the reporting is fully supportive bringing Greenwood back too and so in the club you have this alignment between the executive branch you obviously see a hundred million pound asset and he is that if you look at the cost of players at the moment Young player, forward, scores goals, can be absolutely brilliant. Hundred million pound asset, and the t- and the football side of things. Who wants the player? But in none of this, and if you read that statement word by word, and I read it too many times, uh, none of this are they really thinking about the the victim here. And I don't even think we need to use the word alleged when we say victim. I don't, no. It may not have reached the bar for criminal prosecution for reasons, i.e. she didn't want to testify, but I, I don't think that's our bar 
here, is it? And and none of it did they think of her. Not once has anyone at Manchester United thought about her. They thought about... And they they even, like, they didn't even... The the unbelievable, awful doublespeak in that statement where they were like, our duty of care to Mason, who's now our father. I mean, I noticed (laughs) they stripped that out of some of the replies they were giving to fans who'd written in. But just, just terrible all around this. Just shocking, shocking, you know, spineless lack of leadership yeah and, and so many people have said what i'm about to say but that that, that, that particular point that, that they have a duty of care to mason greenwood what about axel twanzebe who they let go in the summer who they released on a free who had been plagued with injuries for the past three or four years who'd been at the club since a similar time of age to mason greenwood it just it's it's it's, it's laughable like hundreds of players throughout the club have been released from United probably over the summer from yeah. including all the age groups like what do or, you, or like, older older players who are broke the exactly, club does yeah. all for them yeah they like, don't care about the duty of care and, if, and if, if you like, really just ask yourself about... this yeah yeah I, I mean so, sorry sorry like if if this was a youth team player who was of zero value to the club <laughs> Yeah, he'd be gone in an instant. We know that is true, right? So the duty yeah. of care piece is absolute bollocks. It's a lie, uh, and it's nobody is falling line, for it? it. Yeah, it's the Sorry, worst line in, in. No, no, no. It's the worst line in 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 that whole. Yeah, just a ridiculous statement. But yeah, I, I can't. I, I there's so many strands to this, which, like, I feel really sorry for the for the women footballers who, who are going to be gearing up for their best day of their lives on Sunday and maybe on Monday they might be or maybe straight after the game hopefully not but like on Monday they might be asked about this because it will still be hanging over the club like I I feel sorry for them I feel sorry for the the players in the club I feel like I I, I, the, the sympathy argument with with Ten Hag is is an interesting one but then like looking at this from a purely footballing perspective, I don't. What's to say that this Mason Green was going to be any good anyway? Like he's not played. Well, that's, that's true. He's not. I, I, he's not played true. football with other people. He might have done some training in the park, which we all saw, where he looked actually pretty shit. And but he won't have actually played against another professional footballer for eighteen months. What's to even say that he'll be any good? Which makes to me like this whole situation even more ridiculous. Like you're putting the club, the club's reputation in such, well, you're tarnishing the club's reputation so drastically for a footballer who, yeah, was great 18 months ago. Well, I said great. He, he was good and had a lot of potential to be great. But a footballer who hasn't played, like I say, hasn't played for 18 months and you're what? You think he's just going to be amazing when, as soon as he walks back through? Like, what are you doing? I, I don't understand. I know. I mean, just imagine, and and I guess I guess it's a it's still in doubt whether he comes back just because of the the blowback and how sensitive the club is to to PR. Remember Marco Anatovic, who they wanted to bring in until yeah. everyone pointed out he was a racist. Yeah. Yes. Uh, imagine Mason comes back and he's rubbish, and. And they've just destroyed the club's reputation for that. Which, like that, so, that, and, and that, that. By the way, it's not to justify bringing him back if he's brilliant. I'm not oh, saying no, no, that. No. Just to be clear, but yeah, yeah. But like that, that, and that easily could happen. And you're lay, like I say, you're laying all your morals at the side for this risk, which is a risk. Like, it, like it's not like you're bringing, yeah, you're bringing back prime Cristiano Ronaldo into the team. You're bringing back, like I say, a guy who doesn't play for eighteen months. I mean, like I well, say, I, I don't really aging want to. Cristiano Ronaldo was a problem, wasn't it? <laughs> well, exactly. So... Yeah. I mean, this club have form. Like uh, someone, I think it was on second catch, has made this really good point. There's a, there's obviously a, a similar case, not quite as public, hanging over Anthony right now. Yes. And 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 I think the point that Ken Early made on on second captains was he wonders if United are maybe don't want to kind of be super aggressive on this saying a player like who has done what Mason Greenwood has done can't play for this club 
based on when we I know they're not really allegations, but something that hasn't been proven in court when Anthony is facing very, very similar type of uh, accusations from his ex-partner as well, like Cristiano Ronaldo. Like we we all know what was written down in those Las Vegas police files. Marco Anatovic, who we were linked with, who has had history. I mean, we we still had Ryan Giggs in in a in the um, director's box not Sitting too in the long ago. Box. Yeah. Like, and and what does that kind of say to? Yeah, it, are United kind of making a bed for themselves by being so forthright with this when they've got form? And potentially an eighty million pound player, then they might have to chuck out the window. Like, the, the, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's hard I mean, to be conclusive on Anthony, of course. There's very little detail. There was the one yeah. report of of an accusation, but nothing beyond that. And I, I don't even know that he's been interviewed by police or anything like that. So, uh, whether it went any further, so it's really hard to say, isn't it? Like, and that's not me defending him. Obviously, if he's being abusive towards his girlfriend, um, then that's really fucking serious. Um, but we don't know any details at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one has said a thing about that one. So it's really hard to make the comparison. But yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. It's a fair point. I mean, the club is probably worried about where they drawn the line here because if they set a precedent of kicking a player out of the club or firing him and, and potentially facing the cost of paying up that contract... And then they might have to keep doing that. Of course, the club is not going to do that. And we know they were not going to do that because they brought back Ronaldo, who's a self-confessed rapist. So it's, I, I mean, that I can say, right? There's no allegation. He, he wrote no. it down. He wrote His it down. own deposition. He wrote it down and signed off on it. He didn't want anyone to know that, but he did. And, and, and so, yeah, of course. I mean, in a sense, football is a deeply cynical industry and... And, and of course, it was you or me that faced these allegations with the same kind of public evidence. We'd be gone in a microsecond. And if it was a youth team player, they'd be gone. If it was a coach, they'd be gone. If it was a women's team player, they'd be gone. It's because he's a hundred million pound asset. And that's the only reason why he's not gone. Um, and he's got a 75,000 pound a week contract. And they're worried about having to pay that up as well as losing the, the value in the asset. It's a financial decision, and you can see that behind every dumb decision they've made. The extreme length of time they've taken for their quote-unquote investigation, uh, which I presume is not going to have unearthed his girlfriend, who we're still not naming. I'm sure they didn't interview her, and she said, oh, no, I made it all up, uh, or it was AI that made the audio, or like <laughs> you know, that is not going to be what has been said. And it's it's taken all this time and through every part of this, they've been thinking, as we now know, how do we get away with bringing him back? How do we minimize the the blowback to 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 even to the point of Adam Crafton's report today, which has details on their plan to bring him back, including a, a red, amber, green checklist of who might be supportive and who might be unsupportive including listing battered women's charities as, as I forgot what the word they used here, as not supportive. Hostile, I think it was. Hostile, without ever having talked to them. They're the first people yeah. they should have talked to if they wanted to bring Mason Greenwood back. How do we rehabilitate this guy? What should we do? How can we be supportive to his girlfriend, the mother of his child? You know, what is the appropriate thing to do here? Not label them as hostile. Fucking disgraceful. Yeah, and 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 to kind of bring this back to a football thing, like the timing of this is insane, and this all is because it's a financial decision, it's a commercial decision because the reports that they haven't didn't do this earlier in the tours because they didn't want it in the in the summers because they didn't want it to damage the the commercial tour that they were going on. They didn't want. All the questions. Oh no, shit, guys! What do they want? Mason Greenwood doing interviews with you know DXC or Team Viewer, <laughs> and then also because like the Women's World Cup is on at the moment, they don't want to like cloud that so that they can't. They couldn't have done it before this before the season started, after the tour had been on, and now they can't because they've 
obviously the World Cup finals on Sunday. I mean, like how much this damages the team as well? Like, I mean, it's it's, it's probably one of the lowest priorities, I guess, in, in the grand scheme of things. But you just think to the players who are, who don't want him in. I mean, there must be players in that dressing room who don't want him back, don't want to be associated with him, don't want him yeah, around the dressing room. I hope room, some don't of them have some ethics, yeah. You would hope. Yeah, you would hope. I mean, I say there must be, but I mean, <laughs> we spoke about Lad Culture last As week. As we saw with Benjamin Mendy, right? It's, oh, my uh, God. And, and yeah. you wonder as well, like, I mean, you look at how the reaction has been today, like unanimously against United and unanimously against Greenwood. But you wonder if they bring Greenwood back, like what the reaction will be. Surely it won't be anything like what we saw with Benjamin Mendy because I guess the publicists of the footballers must be like saying, don't get involved in this because you just, you you know what type of reaction you're going to get. But yeah, is it anyway, is, yeah, it's, the, well, the, the amount of uproar and yeah, discombobulation it must have caused the, the dressing room is untold as well. And mm. and I know Ten Hag feels very single, looks very single-minded in, his, in the way that he operates, but this must be affecting him as well. And you would, you would, you, I mean, the, the the thing you would have hoped throughout this whole situation was he, if he had said he didn't want Greenwood back in the squads, Greenwood wouldn't be back in the squad. Like I say, like I said no, last they, week, they would ma- have been thinking about trying to sell him or loan him out or something. Probably. I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't have sacked him because of the financial implications. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. If Ten Hag had said no then we, uh, it would have been a lot simpler for the club all round. Uh, and not saying they would do the right thing, because clearly they wouldn't, um, but it would have been a lot simpler. I mean, two points I wanted to make. You're right about there are so many strands here and it's very hard to separate them all, isn't it? But it's, it, you, you a, kind a, a of want to ex- explore them all as well without kind of forgetting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. The, the argument that is often made is, well... He has a contract. How could we sack him? But they all have morality clauses in there. All the standard Premier League template has a morality clause, and you know, I'm I'm quite sure, given the types of offences that players have been sacked for, that United could have sacked him because of the evidence that's out there. The bar is much lower. It's not. It's on the balance of probabilities. If it had gone to the court, on the balance of probabilities, was this gross misconduct? On the balance of probabilities, did this, did this breach your morality clause not not the the high 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 bar that you get in a criminal case and that's what Um, sorry just on that point that's what united almost seemed to like be operating at at this point like that high like criminal point at point it's like it's they're not operating like like it's a gross misconduct trial they're operating like it's a like a criminal trial it it seems seems from afar yeah sorry or at least they'd like to. They'd like it to be like that. I mean, may, yes, maybe they were like, "Well, we need to find a smoking gun evidence that he did this, that we'd be able to convict him in a court of law in order to to say no to bringing him back." Or they'd like push that narrative because that narrative is one that does appeal to people. He's not guilty, therefore that's the only bar. And I think that's wrong. I think that's wrong for football generally to to have that bar. I I, I think as a community of fans of clubs of of pundits, of people watching the game. We need to have better, a, a lower, better bar than crime <laughs> as, a, as the, that's the oh, cutoff. Yeah. If you're a criminal, you can't be in our game. <laughs> and that goes for players, that goes for owners. I mean, we have that test with owners. The only reason you'd be rejected is if you don't have the money or if you're a criminal. Everything goes, everything else goes. Um, and we need to be better than that. You know, the fact is, these are role models. These are people in a, with a public profile. They are in the public eye, uh, and all of that matters. Absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing, yeah, because I wanted that reminds me another point I wanted to make, uh, and, and because I see this so often online, or people are saying this, you know, well, he's not guilty, so therefore it's okay, and uh, or she's forgiven him, therefore it's okay, and both of these easy to to push back on like one less than one percent of of rape cases result in a conviction it's really hard it's often he said she said not enough evidence 
in this case, we had more evidence than normal. Right? No. Yeah. Fuck you, you twass. I'm going to no. you know, like mm. that is it's horrible, the audio. And uh, we had more evidence than normal. So there's a very, 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 very low conviction rate. And I think that is to do with you know how difficult it is and institutional misogyny and the fact that people don't believe women and, and all of that. Right. And I had another point, which I've completely forgotten in my anger. <laughs> But but I think that's yeah it's really important to push back on that. Oh, and also yeah about the violence against women. So charities say that on average, and I think Dan made this point on the last pod, abused women will go back to the partner seven times before they they finally leave. And one of the reasons, one of the most significant reasons, is that a woman is highly likely, or much much more likely, sorry, not highly likely, much more likely to be severely abused or in fact murdered when they leave an abusive partner right? and I'm not saying Mason Greenwood is about to murder his partner I'm not saying that right but there is fear there's a lot of reasons why abused women stay with their partners or they love their partner and they don't want to lose that uh, yeah. or they don't know where they go next or whatever reason it is there are many reasons and I really hope I really hope but statistics would say otherwise that we don't get a repeat of this. Yeah, it's you know? because it's because in in so many of these cases that women have been so beaten psychologically by because it's not obviously it's not always just physical abuse. It's it's often mental abuse that goes goes alongside this. So the women have be, been beaten so psychologically by their partner that they don't have any confidence that they can survive without them because in so many cases the man in in the relationship has told them that they can't. So if they leave, how how can they move on with their life? Like you say, they still love their partner despite what they've done. And they also have this complete lack of confidence in being able to move on, being able to move away. And that's not even taken into account that, like you say, the threat that will come, that they will be further beaten they will be potentially killed that the threat that potentially the man has said that they'll kill themselves if if they if they if the woman leaves like there's all these things that go into into, into that needs to be taken into account and for people not to acknowledge that the people who make those arguments it's just willful ignorance like there's enough information out there these days that points to the fact that like you say one percent of rape cases go to end up in a conviction or the fact that women get, keep going back to their partners because of the psychological abuse that, that they've encountered in the relationship it is just willful ignorance either because I guess maybe some people have these tendencies themselves or they they don't want to shape face up to to what happens in society or because of the rampant misogyny that we we encounter on a day-to-day life uh, on a day-to-day basis in our lives like mm. and it's really like, it's truly sad but like unfortunately it's the reality of our world and it has been what for for millennia i guess like because yeah, yeah. the sure. patriarchal society isn't just something that's existed in the last 50 years it's it's roots, oh god no it's yeah. it's roots are, are so so deep and it's that, roots that's are why deep. it's so, yeah. that's why it's so difficult to to move past this and and that's why people who kind of push back on 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 the existence of a patriarchal society i mean they're obviously complete clowns but like it, it is subtle in the way that it moves and and i mean i guess this isn't a very subtle case but the fact that it hasn't been hasn't just ended in great greenwood being thrown out of the club shows that yeah the m- misogyny is is still so ever present in our lives institutionalized yeah yeah the romans didn't have a word for rape because it was so deeply ingrained into society it's as you say millennia little uh, roman history there (laughs) roman history nerd but uh, yeah it's it's deep i mean there are still countries today some of which own who own football clubs where rape is basically uh, acceptable so it's uh, the whole situation is deeply deeply sad and it's brought out the worst of humans um, both at the club and outside but also a surprising number of people pushing back Mm -hmm. and saying no no we can't accept this 
yeah. you know, fans groups, individual fans online, media who are digging into it, charities, uh, people who work in this area. So, you know, I, I think that is important that uh, unfortunately, we, you know, in an awful situation, we, but people have rallied round and said, hey, no. So enough is enough. One point I did see on on someone make on Twitter though is that though there has been a lot of people come out against United and hopefully many more will come out over the next few days, there's been a a real shocking and significant silence from the ex players at United. Like maybe I guess the surprise the players are in obviously in a difficult position, but the ex players of United they comment on the team's performances all the time. But yeah, we've not seen them. Well, actually, in in some case, as I remember reading an interview with Nicky Butt, where he spoke about, oh, it would be nice to have Greenwood back. This was about two or three months ago. I saw Wayne Rooney say a similar type of thing in The Athletic about a month ago. I mean, the only actual response to it has been people saying, oh, yeah, it would be great to have him back in the squad. We haven't seen anyone kind of, not that I can think of off the top of my head, ex-United player come out and say, yeah, we can't have this moral stain back in our football. Club. Unfortunately, I think, I mean, football is such a macho world. I, I think there's there's deep-grained misogyny. But also, I mean, if, we, if you see the re, the response to the Benjamin Mendy, why were players, hundreds of them, so supportive after it? And, and you know, we should say we mentioned Mendy. He was found not guilty on six charges. But when that, that uh, second trial concluded... Hundreds of players, either on Twitter or Instagram, long posts from Memphis Depay, completely tone deaf post, came out in support of him. Why is that? Is that because they fear being in a similar position? Is that because they somehow think that they have a right to own these assets, women, their wags and all of that kind of stuff? There's something in the psychological makeup of this industry, these players in the dressing room that has pushed players to groupthink like that, you know, and that's deeply worrying too. It feels like they they almost think they're under threat, like they're the ones who are in the precarious and vulnerable position right now, like not women of the world. You see a lot of men behave like that. They think, oh yeah, look, it's really simple, guys. If you if you're thinking this at the moment, oh maybe one day I could be accused. It's really simple. Don't do any raping. Don't do it. It's not It's not hard. Yeah. I'm 47 years old. I've managed to get through my life without doing that. I, it's, it really wasn't difficult. So, I, and I know I'm being glib there, but it's actually quite simple. You're, you are, there aren't, like, so the flip side of 1% of women, uh, 1% of accusations of rape resulting in conviction is that some people believe that the other 99% were completely fabricated. Yeah. And that thousands of women are just making stuff up because it's so nice as a process to when yeah to have your life picked apart. You know, the justice system now allows an anonymity. Thank fuck, because it didn't used to. Mm-hmm. Women were openly destroyed in court, uh, but it's still not set up to support the victims. And and you see that in the makeup of of people who somehow yes yeah, so will argue it was just made up. You see, I mean, especially in the Mendy case. Just the bottom half of the internet, which is the entirety of Twitter, entirely men going, look, they made it all up. So. And 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 that bottom half of the internet, to take this back to United, is who United are pandering to right now. That they are the people sure, yeah, that United that's the global are pandering audience. to. Yeah, yeah. But those idiots who people wouldn't take seriously if you spoke to them in the pub or you spoke to them on the street. They're the people that United, by attempting to bring back Mason Greenwood, are actually pandering to. Not the people who yeah. who have any like moral decency or intellect or yeah, intelligence, I guess. I guess it's, it, it's more than that. It's obviously it's more than just having intelligence. It's obviously having a moral compass. But that's what's also so frustrating about this whole scenario that those we're always in a culture war like in our society and it it feels like by yeah putting Greenwood back into this squad they another notch goes onto the uh onto the blackboard of the of the bad by if they win this like it, it just feels like another yeah another 
win. I'd love to see the Venn diagram of Greenwood supporters, Qatar supporters, and blue ticks. Because <laughs> I, I think it may be a it may be a circle. So <laughs> it's I can't help but have some gallows humour about all of this, but it's really serious. Oh yeah. And insti- institutions have been permanently damaged through this kind of horrendous leadership, and that's what this is. And I don't suppose that I know we have some listeners at the club um, and good people. I don't suppose Richard Arnold does listen. But, you know, if you do, Richard, resign. Do the right thing. Do it today. You fucked up, dude. And you are the CEO. Yeah, I'm sure many people agree with that as well. The CEO of NatWest Bank had to resign just because a memo (laughs) went around saying, oh, maybe this is not a good customer, Nigel Farage. All right. I don't know how we transition into talking about football after that, uh, but I feel I feel like one of those those Sunday morning shows or daytime TV shows. <laughs> yeah, can you remember that Mel Brooks? There was uh, horrific double murder, you know, with people stabbed 15 times in the face. Now let's move to the happy family story about a brand new baby panda in the local zoo. There's a great, so. there's a great when Mel Brooks is on the one show. And they do exactly that. And he's just like, this show, oh my God. <laughs> uh, they literally just Melbourne, go from like, amazing, him talking about way. his story to like some, some like brother who'd not seen his other brother in like 40 years, like meet up on the show or whatever. <laughs> oh dear, that's very amazing. Good. And he was like 91 at the time as well. So, right. Pure Mel. Yeah, just it nails that all the time. He would have something to say about this, no doubt. All right, United are playing Spurs on Saturday. Uh, Mason Greenwood will not be in the squad for that one, unless he rushed through something at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't suppose this will actually impact preparation for this game. I mean, it's all it's probably just all noise on the outside, and the players and, and a ten hug will just shut that out. But uh, it's not it's not exactly ideal <laughs> as a as a narrative surrounding the club right now, but. Playing Spurs on Saturday, really crap performance against Wolves on Monday. Just really, really bad. Looked like they weren't prepared at all, despite having eight preseason games, uh, which is a little odd. Yeah. Oh, will they be better prepared for this one? You'd hope so. We can't be any worse. We can't be any worse than what we saw on Monday. Like, I mean, we've obviously had some bad results and bad performances at Old Trafford down the years, but that must be one of the worst performances where we've actually won a game. I I can't remember us playing that badly <laughs> and winning against a crap team as well. Let's be honest. Like, obviously, like a few play, play a few of their players play well, like Mateus and and Cunha as well. Like Cunha was awesome, but like we were just shocking. And Tottenham looked all right. I thought against Brentford, like not. Brentford, yeah, not amazing, but I think they'll be they'll be a solid team under Ange. I, I I really rate him as a coach and as a bloke. He seems like a really sound lad. Um, I wonder how what his he does. I kind of like to have a pint with him. Not many yeah. managers I'd say that about, but yeah, yeah he, he does. Just seem like a he's like someone. And I mean, if he was at any other club apart from Spurs, I'd like to see him really do really well because he just seems like seems like one of the good guys. I am sure someone who can dig up some dirt on on Ange that, yeah, would probably paint him in a bad light because pretty much every single person in football is flawed. But I'm sure they won't won't be bad at all tomorrow. When We've we've got a good history at, at Tottenham's new stadium, which is nice, but after Monday's performance, it's hard to have too much confidence in the team. Obviously, it won't. we won't be anywhere near as open in the middle as we were in that game. Like, it was just absolutely ridiculous. Casemiro needs some help, clearly in the centre and midfield. But, yeah, like I say, it's too... Yeah. Uh, but they're, like I said, like, they're not a bad side, but without Kane, they're obviously a different animal entirely. They're not a great side either. No. I mean, I'm sure they'll have some consistency of system now. They're going to try and play more attacking football than under Conte, Mourinho and Nuno. <laughs> Just three of the most unspurs appointments ever. Yeah. The surprise in it going wrong and the supporters hating it is zero. <laughs> but uh, So they will have that. 
It obviously lost 30 goals in Harry Kane. They're going to try and spread it around, I guess. Does that work? I don't know. Can Richarlison get his conversion rate up? I don't think so. So I think that will be a loss to them. I, I'm not sure that they they basically spent all the money. I'm not sure that it's going to compensate no. uh, for the loss of Kane. They seem to have bought decently. Uh, they bought a couple of younger defenders, Van der Velde and uh, the left back who was good, whose name I completely forget now. Uh, and Madison, I think, will be good for them. He's got flaws in his game, but he is creative, does create a lot. Um, he's not an all-rounder. Which is why he's not getting in. Uh, it, well, he's not a trigger for the press, and he's not a sort of all-round midfielder, which is why he doesn't get in the England side. Uh, but he is creative, does create a lot of chances. His numbers are really good. He'll have to score more goals, I think, in order to um, if Spurs are going to do better. So yeah, they're they're a decent side, uh, and the crowd are always up for it when United are there. Mm-hmm. But as you say, half decent record there. Uh, and we can't be as bad, just can't be as bad as Monday. Ten, ten Hag. It's not like he needs to like read the right act or anything like that. I don't think it's about motivation. It's about organisation. Yeah. The one thing I worry about is that Wolves went through our midfield just so easily. Casemiro like, looked like he was doing too much. I saw some commentary that basically said, oh, he looks old. Uh, I'm not sure that's quite right. He's, he's a year younger than Kevin De Bruyne, right? I, d- I don't think Casemiro... Is, is suffering from age. I think he's suffering from lack of support. Yeah, you know, He was trying to chase three midfielders running past him. So the one thing I worry about is that re- either repeating himself or Ten Hag swinging back too far the wrong way and bringing in, I don't know, uh, Scott McTominay, pushing Mount to 10 and pushing Bruno out wide, which he's done before. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's limited options now in that midfield because... Like, Right. Obviously, Done. like last season, it's been at the start of last season. It was Casemiro and Eriksen, and Eriksen in preseason looked a bit like his legs have gone a little bit. So to start him alongside Casemiro in this type of game is, I think, a recipe for disaster as well. Because I think they they will both get exposed. Mount his his positioning last Monday was interesting. Like he, he obviously played very high up and. At Chelsea, that's mostly how he plays. Like he didn't really, yeah, he didn't sit beside another midfielder. Whereas we need someone to to sit beside Casemiro, I think, right now. That's, I guess, maybe potentially why we're going for Amrabat because he can be a bit, maybe a bit, a little bit more disciplined and help Casemiro out. And like, I, I completely agree. I don't, I don't necessarily think that Casemiro's legs have gone. But if you put one midfielder against four, which Wolves basically, and Gary O'Neill said this after the game, he basically boxed off that midfield, that centre of the pitch to have four against one. Yeah, any any midfielder in world football is going to get absolutely dominated in that respect. So he does need some help. Yeah. But like, like I say, there's, they just feel like there's a dearth of options now. Like Scott McTominay almost went a few days ago, to, it seemed seemingly... We've obviously got rid of Fred. The the options are very few and far between. I think we, we yeah, we yeah. do need a centre mid yeah. immediately, especially based on what we saw in that first game, unless unless United are going to dominate possession in a way that we didn't on Monday. We gave the ball away so so often. Our patience was terrible. Like Bruno obviously made that lovely pass for the Wambasaka goal, but he was so impatient in possession gave the ball away so often our forwards aren't clean enough in possession they're too chaotic to 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 play that sort of style so we need someone to sit beside Casemiro because when we lose the ball we just get countered to death like we did on on Monday and and Spurs have the players like you say in Madison and maybe Richarlison hasn't been that clinical since moving to Spurs but he can be on his day and he loves big games so they have the yeah the potential to completely damage us. Yeah, I'm I'm I mean I'm guessing with the Mount signing, you don't really spend sixty million pounds on a player for them to be a just a squad player. I'm guessing that Ten Hag will bring him in as an eight or or maybe go to a double eight that he has done in the past mm-hmm. with Bruno and and Mount pushing up. But as we saw against Wolves, the risk is that Casemiro maybe not as mobile as we'd like him to be can't do it all on his own. So. Can Mount be 
a build-up player, not just a, a final third player. And it, it, that's not, it's not clear to me yet. I mean, obviously, Ten Hag believes that to can be true uh, and believes that Mount can play there, but that's not really where he played against Wolves. He was further forward. He wasn't in a double pivot. And they're going to have to work out that, that sort of triangle between them, Casemiro, Mount and Bruno, where they are on the pitch. Because the other thing is that Mount was in Bruno's zone a lot. Yeah. Oh, and it just it, that didn't quite work either. So they're going to have to work out where specifically Mount plays, and it is going to have to be a bit deeper. And he's going to have to be good with his, both his positional sense, which he can be, but he hasn't had to be really. Yeah. It's being a trigger for the press, which he's good at. It's not the same thing as as being in the right defensive position to cut off attacks. Right? Um, so he's going to have to do that as well as be a good progressive passer, get the ball into the right areas of the pitch when United are trying to build up. There's definitely work to do there, which I think he. No, it, it is a concern. Yeah, which I think he is good at. I think he is he is good at progressing, progressively passing. But I think the fear was, for many of us when we signed him, was if is he really going to play as a double pivot? Like, is he really going to be the Ericsson replacement? Because that that seemed like the logical thing, but then it was also illogical because he hasn't he hasn't played that much there, and he hasn't been at his best there like his best was floating around in in between the lines in those pockets because he's great at finding space like he's he's a great space finder he's a he's a super intelligent player in between the lines he's great in, he's tidy um he's maybe not as creative as someone like james madison or Grealish. He, he's not as flashy as either of those two but he's smart but i don't know if he's and maybe ten hog sees a smartness and an intelligence that can allow him to play in, in a double pivot, a bit like Ericsson, yeah. because Ericsson was never a double pivot until later on in his career. So maybe that maybe he does see that right. Mount can do that. And I guess he does have the intelligence to, to do that. So maybe it's just going to be a, a something that takes a bit of time to bed in. Yeah, and, and he's got this reputation for being a, a coach's player, that he takes instruction well. And up until very recently, Gareth Southgate loved him. Obviously, that's changed a bit now uh, but yeah he has that reputation of, of uh, yeah coaches seem to love him and so maybe he'll take instruction well but yeah they do have to sort that out the i mean the other i mean rashford was off up front barely touched the ball that that's another question whether he goes back to the left and they do something else through the middle hoyland's been training i'm not sure that he's going to be ready for this one Martial was he even on the bench for the first game. Not sure he was. Apparently played in the closed, no closed door, behind closed doors friendly on Tuesday. Okay, so maybe maybe he'll be ready. Maybe not. I mean, like who knows? Yeah. Like no one's going to rely on this guy, right? <laughs> so th- there are limited options there. Don't even have Vout to play up there anymore. <laughs> Thank God. Scott McTominay gone back to Wolfsburg. Hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Tom and Yeah, I mean, they played Jaden Sancho as a false nine, as we discussed before in pre-season. I thought Sancho was great on it's one just, day. Yeah. I thought he was really good when he when, we, when he came on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He was bright. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he actually had a promising pre-season. Not spectacularly good or anything like that. It's not the second coming of Sancho yet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was. It, there were some promising moments. So yes, it, it's it's a problem to solve, but you can see why United need a number nine. It, you know, yeah. for Rashford's sake, he, he he was coming deep with his back to goal, and it's just it's just not him. No, and uh, he wants a ball in front of him, whether playing as a nine or a, a wide forward. He wants a ball in front of him. That's where he does the damage. Uh, and unfortunately, we've got a lot of players like that. Yeah, Garnacho, one of the most direct players in Europe. Anthony, a bit more comfortable in possession, perhaps. Not that he necessarily does great things with it when he's got it, or consistently at least. But yeah, a lot of lot of players who like the ball into space. And next week we'd have Greenwood as well. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh man. All right. Good luck to the England women's team. Mm. I'm not, as, as many listeners uh, will not necessarily be that excited about football. International football, that is. I, I do get more excited during the tournaments. And uh, the England women's team is really gritty, right? They've, they've found a way to get through a lot of difficult games. Yeah. Super likeable as well. Like, yeah, their yeah. whole their whole team is super likeable. And, and a coach that is 
how can a coach be that likable? Like, I mean, I mean, I guess Gareth Southgate is pretty likable as well, but but it's gone off the boil a little bit with some of his comments, especially regarding Henderson. But yeah, Vigman is she does seem like one of the good girls as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck to them and uh, to Mary Earps and to Ella Toon. Fantastic goal she scored against Australia. Yeah, right into the top corner. And it's not clear she'll start, of course, because Lauren James is uh, available as well. So a decision to be made there. But she does a really good tournament, Ellen. Yeah, I think I think she's... I can't... Well, I think England's best two performances have come without James. Like, where they weren't good against Nigeria before she got sent off. And yeah. then in the two... Yeah, the two ones that she's missed, like England have really stepped up and they really stepped up against Australia in that yeah. semi. I thought they were excellent. And yeah... It's going to be such a clash of styles on on Sunday, Spain, with their their classic tiki-taka philosophy, which they have implemented across the men and the women's game to great effect against a team which is very much based on pragmatism. I guess maybe out of necessity because of all the injuries that England have faced. And mm-hmm. again, super credit to Wiegmann. Um, But yeah, it's going to be, be some fun, I think excited very good so we'll catch you again next week guys thanks for listening to our ranting